Karma Productions Worldwide, in association with NMD Plus Productions in London and the William Mills Agency, presents Bankadelic from Money 2020, a series of special podcast episodes that feature interviews with some of the people who are making the financial services world and fintech rock. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, and join us for the conversations that took place at one of the premier financial services conventions in all the world. Thanks again for tuning into Bankadelic Live at Money 2020. I'm Lou Carloso, your host, and no, I have not put any money in the slot machines because remember, the house always has the advantage. But in this house, we have the advantage because we have Glenn Fasella with us and we are delighted to have him. He's with Highline and we're gonna ask him to tell the audience a little bit about himself. But Highline helps fintechs and financial institutions improve the way they lend and accept payments from consumers. He's got 20 years in the high-tech industry and is passionate about helping clients use technology to overcome traditional constraints and drive business value. He's fluent in both hardware and software with a focus on B2B sales, marketing, and general management, and has deep domain knowledge in banking payments, manufacturing, supply chains, logistics, imaging, and print solutions that is truly impressive. Glenn, welcome to Bankadelic. Hi, Lou. It's great to be here. Yeah. So tell us what your title is these days and give us a deeper understanding about how your background, impressive as it is, comes into play with what you do. Sure. So Chief Revenue Officer at the company. I've uh, been here for about seven months. Um, yeah, you start, talk about, start talking about supply chain and printing and those types of things in addition to uh, fintech. So I've been in fintech for about 18 years. Um, but prior to that, I did sell supply chain and manufacturing software, which I think gives me a unique perspective to be outside the financial services industry for a number of years and be able to look at problems in, in uh, different kind of ways. Um, but I love the fintech space. I uh, wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Now, in that space, we have heard a lot of talk about buy now, pay later. I've been covering some of that for the Wall Street Journal. It seems to be both revolutionary and in some ways nascent to the point where, I wouldn't say the Wild West, but people are still trying to figure out how that works. And there is also the issue of trying to link that to early wage access. That might involve small dollar lending and increasing the number and frequency of payments that consumers have to manage. What's your perspective on trying to get this straightened out and how Highline comes into the picture? Sure, so what, what we do at Highline is we solve the challenge for both consumers and lenders in making sure that payments get made on time. And we can talk a little bit about the technology if, if, if needed. Um, but we look at, I mean, you see what's happening with buy now, pay later, and the growth of that um, as a consumer service and uh, the CFPB recently um, identified stacking as a problem because it becomes an invisible part of people's borrowing activity um, that you may not see, you may not show up from a, from a credit perspective. Um, and that's clearly a problem and it's going to become more exacerbated as more players get into buy now, pay later, which is going to happen. You can see the banks are going to start to really go after this aggressively too. Um, but one of the other aspects of it that we see 
being on the payment management side is as consumers take on multiple buy now, pay later obligations, they start to see uh, an increased number of payments that they have to make and keep track of. Exactly. Um, and so we also see really just explosive growth of early wage access. Like I said, I started with the company seven months ago and most of the pipeline was, you know, traditional personal loans, um, auto lending, those types of things. In the last three or four months, uh, early wage access has just come out of nowhere in terms of the demand for our solution. So now you add that to buy now, pay later, and people's, you know, other bills that they pay, um, you know, other, their credit card bill, those types of things. And nobody has a cable bill anymore. They have a cable bill plus they have Apple Plus and they have Peacock and they have Netflix. And so you start to see what the problem is for consumers. This yeah. payment environment for them is becoming very fractured and it's becoming more difficult for them to keep track of. And that's, it's tough for the consumer and it's tough for the lenders too. It really is something because I think about my own situation and you're describing some of what I go through. It's not one credit card payment. It might be a payment to this creditor. It might be a buy now, pay later yep. situation. It could be something that involves transactions back and forth on Venmo or Zelle that I'm not quite keeping track of. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, could I use some automation with yep. that? And that's where you guys come in. And it's elegant. It's beautiful. Maybe you can share with the audience what you're doing. Sure. So um, fundamentally, we tie the consumer's paycheck um, to repayment of the bills. So um, it's an opt-in experience for the consumer. They opt in, it's consumer permissioned, and we get in the middle of that direct deposit flow. Uh, so the consumer permissions us to allocate funds from their paycheck as it comes in to the repayment of debt. Um, so, you know, a, a credit card company or an auto lender or buy now pay later provider um, could offer this as an alternative payment method to the consumer they opt in to have us pay those bills for them, and then we automatically look at when the money is due versus the paycheck schedule and how much they make for the consumer, and we you know, slice off what's needed, and we slide it through a uh, custodial account, so it's, you know, it's all compliant. That's we manage that, those funds back to the lender and um, to make those payments, and the rest goes into the consumer's checking account as usual. Yeah. And as a person with a deep background in finance, I wonder about what you have seen as some of the potential pitfalls when a consumer tries to do it by themselves. Yeah. Because frankly, and again, maybe it's better if I speak for myself, I like to think of myself as an organized guy. But if I sort of combine this idea of, well, I'm going to defer this payment, I'm going to kick the can down the road, even if no interest is involved. Yeah. And then I combine that with, well, I'm going to get access to my paycheck, uh, my funds a little bit early. There's no real penalty involved in that, but you mix all of those things up. It could really create yeah. a mess. Yeah. What and, are you seeing? And we, you know, that, that's what happens to consumers, right? Um, our CEO, Jeff Brown, often says that uh, a consumer's FICO score is really a function of their ability to manage their checkbook. That's basically it, right? Yeah, and that's can, right, that's right. If you, if you do a lousy job managing your finances, or you had something in your history, you know, uh, significant medical bills uh, at one time or something like that, and your FICO got crushed, now you're in a position where you don't have access to mainstream credit products, even though you're a teacher, or you're a nurse, or you're a firefighter, or a policeman, and you make, you know, 50, 70, 90, even six figures, um, but your FICO score is 630. 
You know, you've been working the same place for 15 years, you make great money, but you don't have access to those types of credit products um, because of mispayments and those types of things. And so by getting into that stream for the consumer, solving that problem for them, that allows the lender to look at that consumer in a different way. Because as the lender, if I know I'm getting paid off of that direct deposit, now I'm, I'm, I'm upstream, right? I'm closer to the source of those funds. I'm much more likely to get repaid on time. In fact, the data shows that, that repaying by this method from the lender's perspective reduces mispayments by about two-thirds. That is incredible, and that anticipates the question I was going to ask, which is it seems like what you're doing is not only advantageous for consumers, it's very advantageous for players in the buy now, pay later, and early wage access space. Yeah. So what are you seeing, and when you have those conversations with companies doing this, um, what are you trying to explain to them? Um, you know, just that, that as they scale their business, it's just going to become more complex for the consumer to make those repayments. Um, and look, it's, it's just going to get uglier over time as these short-term, small, small dollar credit products continue to proliferate on the marketplace. And so, you know, we're working with um, those providers that want to get ahead of that problem. Um, they get paid more regularly. They, you know, they're, they're going to have less losses as a lender in, in, in their particular segment. But in addition to that, they're going to have happier consumers if they're offering a repayment method that allows that consumer to relax, not worry about you know, when that payment's going to get taken care of or if it got taken care of. Um, so it's real peace of mind for the consumer. So in addition to the, to the better performance from the lender's perspective, um, it's just a better experience for the consumer and a, and a benefit for the consumer, frankly. Yeah, and the way I would sum that up is smart, smart, Thank smart, you. smart, <laughs> smart. Now, you mentioned something that I think is interesting. There may be something here, maybe not. The idea that the space in buy now, pay later is proliferating, yeah. and there are a lot of new players. Does that potentially raise the problem that they are so eager to get into the space that they may not be thinking about these things, and that requires some real education on your part to tell them, hey, you really need to think about this stuff now because otherwise you're going to be in for a mess. Yeah. Um, the stacking is top of mind because it's been talked about so much, and this, this, um, this credit blind spot that stacking creates for lenders, people talk about that, they're thinking about that. The aspect of simplifying and automating the repayment is something that, frankly, they haven't thought about um, until they engage with us. It's just one of those things, you don't know you need something sometimes until it's available. Yep. And um, so we talk about payroll-linked lending. Oftentimes there's, there's, a, there's, really, you can do that? The tech does that? Is it compliant? Can I actually do it? Um, so they immediately get the idea and understand the value, and then it's, it's just a matter of walking them through how we built the platform, um, to make it compliant and make it easy to implement. Which is effective when I think about it because a lot of people are so eager. We see this a lot in the space, right? This notion of ready, fire, aim. Yeah. yeah. Which can be great if you're attempting to hit the space and take advantage of the wave that's moving forward. But yeah. the disadvantage of that is if you find before you aim, yeah. you might hit somebody, including yeah. the CEO of your company and the consumers that you would otherwise want to surprise and delight. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if we are having this conversation, let's say six months or a year from now, given what Highline is doing, right? We know that things move so fast during the pandemic, seven years of 
technological leap forward in one year. What would you want to see happen? What do you think is key when you consider where Highline is going and where we can be in this effort to unite buy now, pay later and early wage access? I, you know, I just more broadly with the current macroeconomic environment, um, I, my personal opinion is going it, to, it's and not that I'm the only one saying it, obviously, it's going to get tougher before it gets easier. Yeah, um, agreed. I think we're going to see uh, increasing loss rates. We're going to see increasing missed payments. It's just going to get tougher on the consumer over the next three, six, nine, twelve months. Um, and so, and, and you hear it here on the floor. I mean, th there's more defense going on at the show this in, than it has been in previous years than offense, I think. Um, and whether it's around uh, risk mitigation or fraud, um, and I think this this is an aspect of it too. I just, you know, finding ways to um, just get better perfor credit performance out of the consumer, at the same time making their lives easier, helping them manage their finances better. That's just the environment that we're in. Yeah. So I mean, we're getting a lot of traction around the current environment, um, whether it's buy now, pay later, or traditional credit products. Just the, the current economic environment, and finding ways to continue to lend and do that in a way that is. Um, uh, that, that is makes sense to the lender and also delivers a good value to the consumer at the same time. Yeah, I would think that with inflation, and this is to your point, it was really well put, that consumers are pinched even harder, but buy now, pay later is operating on a model almost overwhelmingly where there's no added interest and you're deferring payments, but if families are feeling the squeeze and the paycheck isn't going as far, as it did a year ago, that this could really create some problems in the space. Yeah, I think so. And you know, you, you get when we're talking about those consumers who are who do not have access to traditional credit products. Um, those are the ones that are that are feeling the pinch and will feel the pinch even more going forward for the next few quarters. I think that's pretty clear. And so, any tools or capabilities of a product that can help those consumers and help the lenders continue to lend um, effectively and, and uh, you know, with good risk management. I think that's where the market's going to be for the next six, 12, maybe even 18 months. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, playing defense for sure. Yeah, and you heard about defense on the floor. Anything else that you're hearing or seeing out there? This is definitely a very different money 2020 than in years past, but even with that, thinking positively, there's a lot of great stuff happening. What's attracting your attention? What do you find intriguing? Oh, um, you know, it's interesting, and again, just being in the, in the consumer lending side of the space, and that's where I spend, spend my days, it's interesting to see, despite some of the, um, you know, the cracks in the firmament around some of the newer technologies, uh, machine learning, AI, those types of things for, um, you know, for credit evaluation, um, a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence among the vendors and the providers that you know these models are going to prove themselves out. This is really the first go-round, right? Where we've had uh, some difficult um, economic conditions since that technology really hit the marketplace, say eight, 10, 12 years ago. So the fact that they've got confidence, they're seeing that their models are performing well despite some of the macro trends, is um, really interesting. And when I think about it, it also sort of moves forward to where you might see Highline in the future. You're relatively new to the company, and that gives you a very fresh perspective on what's going on there. 
what would you like to see happen in terms of where you are in the space? Uh, Highline in particular? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we've got a role, a role to play, um, hopefully down the road of an outsized role. Um, we think we're onto something unique in terms of enabling true automation of, uh, of repayments um, for the benefit of the consumer and the lender. Um, we've got a lot of interest in what we're doing and uh, from here it's just a matter of executing. And when I think about executing, it also makes me think about what we do and why we do it. And I'm just wondering as we head off into the sunset here, I should say that in Vegas <laughs> the sun never sets with all that neon, right? What gets you going about what you do, if that's not too personal a question? No, I, it, it's not. I think, um, and this is probably true of most everybody at Highline, maybe everyone at Highline, um, the fact that we've got a technology that is, um, but there seems to be a lot of demand and interest for, which is great because we're here to build a company and make money, um, but there's also a social component to it and that we're able to deliver um, a service to the consumer at the right time in the right place. So that part of it is, is uh, highly motivating for the organization, for sure. More. Yeah, and it helps us attract great people, frankly. Yeah, which is phenomenal because especially with the great resignation, it becomes harder to find those people. But you find them, they've got to be great and you're making a difference. Yep. It's very clear because the timing couldn't be better. Consumers need this because they're going to run into problems that we can anticipate but haven't manifested yep. yet. Yep. So hats off to you. And I am wearing a hat for those of you <laughs> who can't see, which is everybody. So I'm going <laughs> to... Very nice, lift, very nice. Lift the hat. And Glenn, you've got a busy, busy schedule today. I'm grateful you were able to make the time. Thank you so much. No, I've enjoyed it. It's been great, Lou. Thank you. Glenn Fisella is the Chief Revenue Officer at Highline. He is based in the Charlotte metro area. Be sure to look for Glenn on LinkedIn. Thanks again for tuning in to Bankadelic Live from Money 2020 in Las Vegas. We hope you are enjoying this series of special episodes and encourage you to go over to SoundCloud to check out the entire Bankadelic archive. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous support. On-site production in Las Vegas provided by yours truly and Scott Mills. Special thanks also to Banker Hire and Lemonade LXP as well as our good friends Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery of Dave and Darm Demystify. I'm Lou Carlozo, and as my good friend and associate Johnny Dubig would say, what happens at Money 2020 in Vegas stays at Money 2020 in Vegas. Capiche? Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD+, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.